Welcome, welcome, welcome to Made Men Mondays. This is your man DB, transformed from trauma victim into a victor over trauma and your emotional responsive coach. You are now inside the Made Men Project where every Monday we're bringing an empowering personal message to dismantle society's false sense of masculinity and change the male narrative. Thanks for coming through today. Emotions have no gender. Don't lock yours in the dark. Author unknown. My guest today is the CEO of High Impact Coaching, the coach of all coaches, TEDx speaker, and best-selling author, but most importantly, my coach and mentor, my good friend Xander Fryer. In this episode, Xander shares his take on manhood, masculinity, and the importance of vulnerability. Xander has an incredible journey that he shares while dropping a lot of knowledge around growth and healing. Make sure you share this podcast with others who you think can benefit from it. So just copy and paste the link. Also, remember to subscribe to the Made Men Project and leave a review. Let's get to the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Xander Fryer, the coach's coach and CEO of High Impact Coaching. If you're ready to make a higher impact in both your personal and professional life, you got to be listening to the Made Men Project with my good friend, Derek Butler. He's going to rock your world. Hey, yo, fellas, we, we made men. We made men. Try to believe that within. I just want to be a good man. Okay. I know you all, but tell me you a good man. Tell me you're a good man. So many men are being crushed. Societal demands to be tough. Yes, you, yes, you are enough. Okay. I just wanna be a good man. I can't relate to you, brother, cause you're a good man. Yes, you are a good man. Listen. All right, what's up, family? Welcome back to the Made Man Project. I'm your host, DB, and today I'm bringing on the CEO of High Impact Coaching, the coach of all coaches, TEDx speaker, and best-selling author, but most importantly, my coach and mentor, my good friend Xander Fryer. Today, Xander is going to help me dismantle society's false sense of masculinity because so many men are being crushed on the societal demands to be tough, deny any kind of vulnerability, sensitivity, or any internal hurt and pain. It's time to change the male narrative. It's going to be a great show with so many things you guys are going to want to pay attention to. But first, really quickly, if you're a man who knows that you have the potential to do great things, but you're just not sure how to get from where you are to where you want to be, Trapped in mental and emotional bondage and being crushed under self-limiting beliefs and behaviors, it's time to stop struggling with distress, anxiety, self-doubt, and fear. And head on over to www.linkedin.com backslash DBM Powers and send me a message and we can book you a free, no-pitch clarity call so you can learn more about me and my team and if and how we can help you master your emotions and begin maximizing your full potential, both personally and professionally in the next 60 days. My man, Xander, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Dude, Derek, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. No, brother, thank you for being on. I truly appreciate this with everything you got going on for you to make the time to, you know, stop what you're doing and and jump in with me, man. This, This is amazing, man. So I truly appreciate it, brother. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you know how how close to the heart this subject is for me. So I'm happy absolutely. to happy to dig in with you, boss. Absolutely. That's what I'm happy about, man. Glad that, you know, we're able to touch on this. So I'm going to jump right into it, man. I know a lot about you. You're so transparent, man. You you really tell a great story. You have a wonderful story, but I want to share this for the audience. But as a boy, who and what was your example of a man? Oh, man. That's a great Great. For, for as a boy, what what my examples were as a man were probably cartoons. 
Wow. Right. You know, it was, okay. it was, it was everything. It was everything that I saw in cartoons. You know, I watched the, you know, I remember like Yosemite Sam and yeah. like, you know, like shit like that, like, you know, that, that just really, you know, it's like, uh, I always think of like, and, and Popeye, you know, these like masculine, like stoic figures and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, so that like growing up, that was always, that was always what I thought of as like men. Now my dad, um, you know, it's funny cause my, my dad is like, uh, not that, <laughs> right, right, right. um, my dad's, my dad's this amazing softy and like, you know, speaks from the heart and like all right. that sort of stuff. Um, but it's interesting what, like the viewpoint I had of what, 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 a, what masculine and what men are, you know, yeah, for the age. Yeah. I, I've never, never really been asked that before. Right. <laughs> so speaking on that viewpoint a little bit, like what did being a man mean to you? What did that viewpoint represent for you? Yeah, I think, I think for me, you know, growing up when I, when I thought about it, I, I actually remember it's, it's interesting. Cause obviously like we do a lot of like deep psycho, some subconscious work. And like yeah. one of the things, um, I remember when I was doing a, a session, one of the things that came back to me, I went back to a memory of when I was about seven years old. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and I remember my dad, my, my mom was actually the one in our household that was working. She was the breadwinner. She, wow. you know, she made all the money. She, she took care of everything. Yeah. Um, and uh, I remember thinking when I was like seven years old, I came back from like a, uh, like a school day where they had like, you know, kids, parents come in and talk about what they did. And, you know, mm -hmm. you know, some of the guys there had kids had their, their dad who was a doctor or their dad who was a lawyer. And my dad yeah. was kind of a stay at home dad. And yeah. I remember, I remember thinking, you know, like, cause my dad was one of the most intelligent people I've ever met. Right. Um, but I remember thinking, you know, why, why is my dad not doing that? Mm. Right. And mm. I was almost ashamed of it. Right. Wow. And so, so for me, like, what it created me is like for me what what a man is a, a man a man works hard a man you know achieves his purpose a man uh mm -hmm. you know a man is uh intentional around his actions and and not lazy and i think that's kind of what it created for me around yeah. the the image of what a man is wow that's that's great man and i like how you share that example that actually the roles were actually flipped in your household yeah you know there's a big argument about gender role, gender specific roles. But if you really look at it back in that time growing up, like it was specific roles for men and for women. So it was funny oh, yeah. how, you and how you felt about that, man. That was great. So tell me, right? Yeah, what I, you're doing great things all over the world. You're impacting many lives. You, you're awesome, man. You know this, but you hear this all the time. But what made you the man you are today? Ah, oh, geez, that is a good question. Um, I'd respond with it, but I don't consider myself a man. I consider myself a four-year-old boy. <laughs> um, so, so I, I think, you know, to be, to be honest, I think that what, what makes me the man I am today is my ability to understand that I am forever a four-year-old kid. Mm. Um, and, and it, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what you've been through. Uh, in the end, there, there's something deep inside you that's just a four-year-old kid that really is, that's what matters most. Um, and I think what's gotten me to this point, frankly, it's, you know, people say like, oh, they had to learn this and that and this and that to become who I am today. Um, frankly, for me, it's been a series of, unlearning. it's been a series of unlearning all the crap from, mm -hmm. you know, years and decades of growing up. Uh, that's really allowed me to become the man or the the child that I am today, the the, right. the, the, the man child, if you will. Right, right, right. Um, 
think, I think it's been a series of unlearn. It's been making massive mistakes. It's been being broken down and, and, and shown and losing people that I love and, Mm -hmm. you know, losing, losing my future and every mistake that I've ever made. It's just, it's just been hacking away at the, and hacking away at the, the past programming from, from decades of society and cultural norms placed on you. Like every one of them hack away enough and, and it kind of clears this open space and you're like, Oh my God, this is, this is actually what I was meant to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's amazing. I don't know. Like we, I, I tell this story a lot, man, but you said something during my time with launch, high impact coaching, the launch program. And I was building my business. I was going through the mindset stuff and you broke down the equation E plus R equals O. And you said I either yeah. create or allow everything that's happening in my life. And that was a struggle for me. And I, yeah. because it, it as most people, yeah, yeah, as a, as a child, you know, I, I, I've been through physical, emotional and sexual abuse. I, I went through a lot of things. I was carrying a lot of shame, resentment, guilt, and anger with that. And what I got from that is it's not that I created or allowed it then, but what I'm doing is allowing it to never allowing impact it now. my life yeah. now. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yes. So that was a big turning point for me in the program. Um, that was a big turning point for me in my personal life, man, and something that I stand by. And a lot of people, like you said, still struggle with that now. But there's one event that happened to you that really shook you and rocked you. And it wasn't, it didn't determine your outcomes. It wasn't the event, but it was how you responded to it. So can you talk about that event and the one thing that kind of crushed you as you was building your business? Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about me losing my best friend. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm happy to talk about that. And, and the first, you know, the first thing that I want to say is, you know, that, that idea of like taking dream responsibility and like yes. every life is your responsibility. Like the good yeah. is your fault. The bad yeah. is your fault. The yeah. mediocre is your fault. Yeah. Um, and I think you kind of like mentioned a lot of people really struggle with this mm-hmm. because they're like, well, Xander, you know, like, I don't know, like, uh, you know, I got hit by a car. Right. That wasn't my fault. Right. right. But it's like, yeah, I get it. But it is your choice. Like you just mentioned your choice to be a, continue to be a whiny dick about it right. rather than right. just like make the most, figure it out, continue to be happy and move on. Right. So, you know, the thing, the thing that I always tell people, it's like, look, I don't know whether or not everything in your life is 100% your responsibility. Right. But the reality main remains, if you become a person who takes 100% ownership over everything in your life, be happier, more fulfilled, more successful, make more money, have better sex, better yeah, relationships. Right. Right. Like, I promise you, you will have all of these things if you just take ownership over it, even if it's not your fault. Right. 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 No matter right. if it's not your fault, find a way to take ownership over it and everything will get better. It's amazing. Now, why don't people, why do people not do this? Cause it's hard. Yeah. It's fucking difficult. It's yeah, not it easy to take, especially, you know, we just talked about, we just talked about like, let's say you got hit by your car. Yeah. How could you take ownership over this situation? And right. be like, right. it's like, no, dude, I got hit by a car. I broke my leg. Like this, my fault. What's well, like, maybe you should have been more aware your phone maybe you should have checked both ways before you cross the street right you know there's there's a lot of things right but like finding something to take ownership over instantly makes you a better person um and i think that's like if any if anything comes from this one episode it's like if more people would just take ownership 
right? Rather than looking to somebody else to solve it, complaining about a situation or blaming society, blaming other people, blaming, uh, you know, the country, blaming whatever it is that we're blaming right now. I feel like a lot of people blame a lot of shit right now. Yeah. Right. And we are, we are inside marinating in our own crap for a while. So we're going to have a lot of stuff to blame on people. Right. Um, if you just, if you just take like ownership over 100% of the things in your life, even if it's not yours to own, own it anyways, right. You will drastic your life. Um, and so, you know, you kind of mentioned, you know, the big, the big thing when I was first starting my business. So I, I quit my corporate job, started a, started a coaching business, uh, started to grow it very rapidly in about six months, um, six months in, we'd already seen a, a lot of success and, um, my best friend, AJ killed himself. Mm. And this was, you know, this was my, this was my buddy that I had grown up with since I was five, six, seven years old. Yeah. I, you know, I'd known him since I was seven years old. Um, we grew up together. We played baseball together, played soccer together, went to school together. He introduced me to my first girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, he joined the Marines. I joined the air force. You know, we yeah. like, we've known each other for decades. Yeah. Um, after the Marines, he suffered from PTSD for, for about nine years, mm-hmm. um, you know, back and forth with depression, um, you know, in and out of rehab, in and out of addiction mm-hmm. facilities, uh, you know, two or three different times, safe, you know, halfway houses, things like that. Yeah. Um, until finally ending his life about a three years ago, little over, little over three years ago. Um, and it was one of the, it was one of the toughest things that I've ever been through, especially as a coach. Um, because I had worked with people, I'd worked with people through PTSD. I'd worked with people through suicidal tendencies. I'd worked with people through, you know, every psychological issue of depression, every psychological issue, but I couldn't help my best friend. Mm. And that just destroys you emotionally. You know, I, I felt, I, I felt every, I felt guilt. I felt resentment. Um, you know how much it sucks to resent and hate your best friend for killing himself. It's, it's fucked up. Um, but I felt at, like, I felt hatred. I felt lonely. I felt heartbreak. I felt like he was like a brother to me. I felt like I lost brother. I felt like I lost a family member. Yeah. Um, and I went, I went to a pretty dark spiral. I went to a pretty dark place for probably about six months. Um, you know, every single morning, every single morning I would wake up, um, I'd wake up and I was depressed. I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to do anything. Right. right? Um, but I think the, you know, the thing that kept me going was, and, and you've heard me talk about this, the thing that kept me going, I had, I had two things. I had strategies and tactics to yeah. get me into, to get me into motion. Right. Because if I didn't get out of bed, you know, it's like the momentum thing, right? Yes. Like if I don't get out of bed, I'm a, I'm a heavy ass, you know, rock stuck in bed with an elephant on my chest the elephant right. of anxiety and depression on my chest, it's hard to get me moving. But if I can just right. get one step at a time, right. I could, you know, and, and we have a tool in our, in our program, I call uh, our business plan. It's basically a real powerful um, visualization and affirmation that I, I printed out and laminated and stuck it next to my bed because I knew that I couldn't get out of bed without it. And yeah. so I would literally grab it and I would read it lying in bed and it would give me just enough motivation to like take a big deep breath and like sit up. Mm-hmm. And then I would read it again and I'd have just enough, enough motivation to stand up and I would read it again and I'd put it down and I'd walk out of the room. Yeah. And so like one of the major things that got me out of it was, um, 
it was, it was motion getting it like systems, systemized yeah. things that got me into motion and got me into action. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second thing was support. Um, you know, it was, it was having a community. It was having mentors. It was having people and it was having clients that needed me. It was, it was having, having people that I couldn't let down, whether it was a mentor, whether it was a mastermind group, whether it was my clients who still needed me to get where they wanted to go. It, it didn't matter whether or not I felt like shit and I wanted to cry. Cause I did. I sat there in bed and I would cry for 30, 40 minutes every single morning. Didn't matter if I wanted to sit in bed and cry all day. I could do that. But there were other people that were out there that needed me. Mm-hmm. And at some point I had to just get up and I had to keep moving forward. And I could, I think one of the biggest things too, is like letting myself feel sad, letting myself feel shitty, letting myself feel the heartache, the loss, the, the resentment, like letting myself feel all of that is probably the only reason that I could move forward. Cause I think so many people try and bottle it up. And it's like, the more you bottle it up, it just like keeps weighing you down and like chaining you further and it's like, as soon as you, as soon as you feel it, all of a sudden you can like, you can move just a little bit, but yeah. you can move. I was use the example of like the, the like 10 year old kid that like falls on his skateboard and scrapes his knee or something. Mm-hmm. And like, if he tries to hold back his tears, he's like, for like, for like 10 minutes, right? Like nonstop. You're like, dude, just fucking cry and get it over with. Right. And, and then he cries 30 seconds maximum. He cries. 30 seconds, then he's like, good to go. He's laughing, bouncing off walls again, right? Like this takes it back to like what we were talking about. It's like, we are still that 10 year old kid in Mm. a 30 year old, 40 year old, 50 year old body, right? That that needs to cry and we're trying to choke back tears. And so for rather than instead of 10 minutes of, (laughs) it's 10 years, it's 10 years of, (laughs) right? So- yeah, you, that, that's awesome, man. Have you always been this in touch with your emotions? Have you always been this way? Because like you said, oh, fuck no, man. Absolutely okay. not. <laughs> what, what was harder for? Was it harder for you to identify, to process through or to express what you were feeling? So I think that's a great question. All of the above. Um, yeah. yeah. Can I check? Yeah. Can I check every box? To be honest, right. I'm, I'm an engineer by trade. So I am highly intellectual in terms of my thought process. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think a couple of the biggest things that have like led to this were just like an intellectual understanding of how emotions worked. Right. And I think that like being a really intellectual person, science-based engineering minded, I, it wasn't until I intellectually understood how emotions worked that I started to be more in touch with them. Um, and the way, obviously we explain it now, we tell people like, you know, you have like, literally, if you think about it, you have two brain or eh, there's a, it's a little bit more complex than that, but think of left yeah. brain as intellectual, right, right brain as creative and emotional. Right. Right. And so, you know, we can also talk about the difference between the conscious and the subconscious, okay. yeah. you know, all of those different things. Um, but the reality is the intellectual side of your brain we'll call it half of half of how you operate right uses a totally different language than the emotional side of your brain think of one think of one as english and one is french or japanese right. Right. they do not communicate the same way right. and so what most people try and do is they try and intellectualize their emotions mm. 
And it's like, it's like speaking English to somebody who only speaks Japanese or French or, and, mm. and they don't communicate. Yeah. And so trying to intellectually understand your emotions and say, oh, this emotion should work this way. Mm. Well, it, it doesn't, right? Emotions are not logical. Right. And the more you try and fight with an emotion, yeah. the more it creates, it fights back. Yeah, yes. Right? And so that like the simple understanding that my emotions ran 90% of my actions. Most people don't really realize this, but your emotions run about 90% of your actions. Your subconscious mm -hmm. is heavily driven by emotion. And for those of you guys who don't know, 95% of your brain mm -hmm. is subconscious mm -hmm. and 90% of your actions are habitual and emotional, mm -hmm. right? And so your emotions actually drive a high majority of your actions. So if you try and tell your emotions what to do and they say, uh-uh, that's not going to be how it happens, right. right? This is why so many people, like they say, this is how I should behave and how my emotions should run. And then the emotions say, we're not doing that. And then there's this fight between your intellect and your emotions and you just break down and like sever it. Mm. And so most people only operate with half of their brain. Yeah. That's why they're so unsuccessful. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Man, you hit the nail on the head. I like the way you broke that down, man. You know, that power struggle right there. You're speaking different languages, trying to yeah. speak, you know, English to a person who only knows fluent in French. So that's critical. Like, dude, why, why are you trying to fight with this person? They're not yeah. even speaking your language. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> Absolutely. Now that you're older or you are seem, you seem more mature, you're still four years old, but how has your definition <laughs> of a man changed over the years? I think that's a great question. Um, I think my definition of a man, you know, it's, it's interesting because my definition of a man is somebody who's strong enough to be vulnerable, strong. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I view a man as strong. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But my definition of strong is very different than society's definition of strong. Right. Society would call a strong man, somebody who, you know, do, does not give in to their emotions. Mm -hmm. I disagree. Mm -hmm. I think that's an afraid man. Yes. I think that man is afraid to confront his emotions. I think that man is afraid to confront his vulnerabilities. I think he, frankly, I think that man is a big pussy, yes. right? <laughs> but that's the truth. Like all, like yeah. a lot of what we consider a man in today's society is yes. actually somebody who's just too afraid to confront their weaknesses, to confront their emotions, their fears, their, their, all, their guilts, all the things that come up. A real man has the courage to face that stuff. A real man has the courage to confront it because that's the only way that you get better and you grow and you live purposefully, right? You know, like we, all, like we always talk about like, okay, if, if a real man is strong, right? Well, what creates strength? Tension, right? If, we're, if you wanna grow a, if we wanna grow a muscle, you have to lift weights, tension, right. stress on the muscle. Same thing as a man, you have to, you have to expose yourself to uncomfortable situations, mm -hmm. harsh emotions, Emotions like fear, guilt, failure, all of these things. You have to expose yourself to these and be able to move through them. That's what creates a real man. That is, that is wonderful, man. And I'm going to piggyback on that real quick. And I just want you to, I want to ask you, and you gave a lot right there, but I want to, you know, simplify. What is one piece of advice you will give to men regarding masculinity? Ooh, get more vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. Period. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's where the healing starts. Go, yeah. go, go, go watch, go watch, yeah, go watch some Brene Brown stuff. Get more vulnerable. Yeah. The more vulnerable you can get as a man, the like I 
Over the last four years, I have, like you mentioned, I've built a multi seven figure business. I've had a TEDx. I've had a best selling book. I found the woman of my dreams halfway across the world and brought her over to the U.S. Like we're living on a beach house overlooking, you know, overlooking the cliffs and the ocean. Mm -hmm. I have literally accomplished more in my life in the last four years than I had in the entire 30 years prior to that. Right. And all of it is because of my willingness to get vulnerable. Mm. That's amazing. I like that. Let me ask you a question. Now, you just talked about your business and what you built over four years. So I know it's stressful. And this is another terminology, another thing that when you say this around men, they, they cringe or they, 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 no, I don't do this. Or what. what are some things you do to practice self-care? Oh, yeah. I do a lot of things. Um, oh, man. I think, I think the first thing, and, and people can say yes or no to this. I don't really give a shit. Meditate. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I just, like, we're, we're living in the 21st century. There is so much information out there. There's so much qualitative and quantitative data. Right. Around the benefits of meditation. And anybody who is choosing not to do it like we talked about, you're making the decision to have a shittier life. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. Um, like I, I look at like all the most successful people, like all the most successful people that you can think of that I can think of right now, the, the Jeff Bezos the Tony Robbins, the Elon Musk's, the, the uh, Steve Jobs, the Ray Dalio is one of my favorites. Uh, you know, he wrote the book principles. Every single one of them meditates. That's crazy. Like, can, can we not, can we not take a hint here? <laughs> like it's it, so and we all have excuses for oh i don't know how to meditate or i don't know how to do it's it's not that difficult mm-hmm. um the only problem is you think you need to be perfect at it in the beginning but just like everything else they call meditation a practice you need to start with where you're at get somebody to help you and teach you hire a coach hire a practitioner to teach you how to meditate go you know even i started with like the you know the little like 9.99 apps like the the calm app and the the well headspace app and stuff like that um but you know my like i would not be alive without my meditation practice and and as you as you become a man like your responsibility is to be able to handle handle high demands on your life Mm -hmm. now meditation has allowed me to handle demand levels that are probably 10x exceeding what i could handle yeah you know before i got to this point and when i was in the corporate world it wasn't like i was you know like a nobody i was making a quarter of a million dollars working at cisco like i was in my i was in my early or mid 20s and i was covering accounts like disney facebook like i was very successful so i i already i had a standing meeting with a disney cio as a 26 year old kid so I can already handle high demands. Yeah. But meditation has allowed me to take that to 10 times the next level. Wow. But so like, it's, it's so simple. It's like, you want to be successful. You want to perform better in every area of your life. Like you want to be more focused, more motivated, uh, perform better in the gym, perform better in bed with your, with your partner, perform, right. you know, right. all of the look better, look younger. Like everybody else, they're like, Xander, you look like you're like 25. I'm like, Oh, thanks. Like, Right, right, right. <laughs> Decade older than that, but but keep telling me I feel great, right? right, right. It's, it's meditation. Like if there's going to be one solution to like majority of your problems, that's it. <laughs> that's awesome, man. That's amazing. And this is something that you're big on in, in the program and everything like that. And this is something I work with my clients on a lot. 
And it's about identifying their joy and understanding the difference yeah. between joy and happiness. So what are some of the things that bring you joy? Oh, man. Growth. Probably one of the things that brings me the most joy. Growing mm. and progressing as a person. Um, yeah, you know, one of my... Um, uh, one of my mentors once told me, he said, you know, when I die and I meet my maker, um, this is Ed Milet, when, when I die and I meet my maker, I want to, I want that maker to show me their ideal vision of what my life was supposed to be. Mm. And I want to know that person really well. Yeah. Right. And what he, what he meant by that was I, I always want to be cr- progressing and growing myself to, to be that, that version of myself. Mm. Right. And, and to me, that brings me more joy than, you know, a lot of things in this world, constantly growing and progressing, you know, and you talk about the difference between growth or between joy and happiness, right? Growth is not enjoyable. A lot of the time, actually, it it brings me the most joy, but growth hurts. Like growth is hard. (laughs) Growth takes work. Growth takes stress. Growth takes getting out of your comfort zone. Taking it back to like, what does it take to grow a muscle? Like lifting heavy weights multiple times, like lifting the weight itself is not easy. It's not fun, right? But it brings you joy afterwards, accomplishing it and and what can come from it. Yeah, that's amazing, man. And I'm about to ask you, this is the last question. And I I, kind of know the answer to this question, but I just want to hear you verbalize it. But what type of legacy are you leaving in this world? Man, it's so it's interesting Somebody, somebody asked me, somebody asked me this in a, in an interview a few months ago, they said, how do you want Xander Fryer's name to be remembered? And I said, I don't care. I don't care how my name is remembered. Um, but what I do care is that whatever I stood for lasts. And, and what I, what I mean by that is I don't, it doesn't matter if people remember Xander Fryer. It doesn't matter if people remember who I am. What really matters is if I can help grow this world's consciousness just a little bit just a little bit right you know i truly believe that if more people lived lives from a place of growth love and courageous action rather than fear and complacency if just one percent of the world actually lived their lives more so that way from a place of love growth and courageous action rather than fear Mm. we would actually fix a, a lot of the world's problems. Absolutely. That's and that doesn't, that doesn't need my name on it. It just needs to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing, man. Um, I, I see firsthand, which you don't have an inside view. Um, one of the best views I ever had in my life. So thank we, you, man. I, I appreciate it, brother. Yeah. And, and it's tough. And, and like you talk about the growing and the stretching, <laughs> but for men, for us to get over this hump, man, and to break through this, this false into masculinity, we had to allow ourselves to be vulnerable. That's where we're going to grow. Yeah. That's where we're going to stretch. I thank you for coming on today, man, and sharing a bit about your story, man, sharing the things that shaped you into who you are and everything you got going on, man. I look forward to hearing from you more, to seeing more of the great things that you are doing, brother. Keep rocking out, man. Appreciate you. Love it, brother. Thanks for having me, man. Yes, you, yes, you are enough. Okay. I can't relate to you, brother, because you're a good man. Yes, you are a good man. My brother, you know I love you. Yes, you guess you are enough. I just wanna be a good man. I can't relate to you, brother, cause you're a good man. Yes, you are a good man.